rated. Um, and again, if something is possible and the market is for it, it might happen even if it's not desirable to most of our society. And you know, if it's desirable and the market is for it, but it's just not technically possible, it's not going to happen. And the another way that we think about the future is that it happens in different layers at different speeds. So nature has a movement and it's moving very, very slowly. Um, fashion has a very slow movement, so within a year we can see several different trends and developments and so forth. And in between we have these layers that interact with each other and happen at uh, different paces. So, you know, commerce is involved with fashion and infrastructure, infrastructure and governance are related, governance and culture interact with each other and so forth, and culture and nature are uh, connected then in the end. And we can identify some very large trends in the culture, governments, infrastructure uh, domain. So two people who talk a lot about this are uh, Peter, uh, Stephen Pinker on the left. He wrote a book, The Better Angels of Our Nature, Nature which has become very popular in, in that regard. And Peter Singer, who is famous for the expanding circle of empathy. So what these two people are pointing out is that over history, even over centuries or millennia even, the way we relate to each other has increased in empathy and increased in recognizing other people's personhood, recognizing other people's rights. Um, violence has gone down overall, so we always see spikes. Um, we also see an increase in talking about things and sharing information, even though the you know, the, the actual trend on the, in the big picture is positive. And here the last one is execution per 100,000 people. You know, there are spikes and up and, and down, but on, on the overall it has also gone down. Now, just a few um, further trends that are overall increasing and overall seem to be the way humanity is headed. One is connection. So when the internet came up, people, some people said the internet is a fad, nobody wants to talk to people they can't see, but actually it seems that connection to information and connection to each other um, is, has so much benefit for people and for the world that it sticks around and anything that can increase the connection, that can increase the immediacy will uh, help with that. Um, related to that, information has increased exponentially throughout human history. You've probably heard these words that um, we have created more information in the last year than in all of the past century combined. And it's going to increase that way. And there are always drawbacks where people um, complain about the noise that is created. Actually, Gutenberg's time, there were essays that said, you know, everyone can publish anything now, and therefore it's the end of society as we know it. And we had that again when the TV came up, when the radio came up, when the internet came up, and it's we're going to have this conversation and, you know, it's, it's just going to increase. Automation is going to increase too because um, even if it goes wrong sometimes, whatever it does um, is just so much more useful by freeing up labor that it is going to stick around. And which brings us to the last point, which is artificial intelligence. Uh, here is just an animation of an AI trying to recognize what is being drawn on there. And this is also a development that's going to stick around because it is so useful to increase our cognitive capacity that just like the internet, like connection, information, and so forth, it's 
it's only going to increase in the future. I'm going to give you uh, three quick examples for that. So the first one is creative things in art. So here was a neural network trained on the style of Edward Munch um, and then given a picture of me and a friend at Burning Man and then it drew that in the Munch style of a picture at Burning Man. So now you can create art the way a, a famous painter would paint it, you know, with, with your own stuff. Uh, here's another, another example, another neural network was given the complete works of Shakespeare and then asked to just create dialogue out of the blue without being given anything else. And when you read it, it kind of reads like Shakespeare. And it doesn't have a big story arc yet, or it doesn't even make sense all of the time. But it is getting there that you can feed it information and it will recognize the pattern and it will be able to recreate the pattern. So next example is about work. Um, so far, lawyers have been a very expensive service. If, if you needed an attorney, you know, it's basically only available to the people who can afford it. Now there's a bot online, so this one is online in the UK right now and free for anyone to use, um, who you can interact with and it will help you draw draft letters. So this one has a flight delay, it will you know, draft a complaint letter for you, it will draft letters to, um, to fight parking tickets and so forth. And this makes it available to, to anyone in the world basically to have access to legal services. Um, another work that I'm using right now is uh, called XAI. So this is this is my virtual assistant Andrew, who is basically just an an artificially intelligent algorithm, and it will it will write emails on my behalf to schedule meetings with people, and we'll go back and forth with them, tell them what time I'm free, and so forth. So it's as if as if I was having someone who helps me with that. Um, now the last thing is where AI can become better than humans. So you may have seen the battle of um, AlphaGo versus Lee Sadol, the, the reigning champion in Go, and AlphaGo beat him over the course of five games. And this was a development that was considered to be 10 years out from now, because Go is such an incredibly complex game which requires human intuition and creativity and ingenuity and all of these things that we thought were innately human that AI uh, could, not, could not do anytime soon, and it did. Um, and it was done by an algorithm developed by DeepMind, which is here used in another example where it's playing the game Breakout. And um, there they first noticed that it does creative things that it wasn't taught to do. So here it will you know, find a way on the side to break through and then have it gone really fast from the backside. So what the AI does is it it is confronted with problems and then it just spends so much time on the problems that it will figure out ways to solve them that we didn't teach it. Um, which brings us to a problem, once AI can do everything for us, um, what are we going to do? And one idea is to propose a universal basic income um, and I'm just very quickly going to um, give a point why this might be a good idea. Because today, we, the only way that people can make a living is by either selling their time uh, with a skill multiplier or by having ownership and renting out stuff that they own. And once machines can do everything, they, there's no way to sell your time anymore. So ownership is everything that matters. Now, if ownership was distributed in a way that everyone can make a living of that, that would be fine, but it's not today. So we need to solve this problem. And 
I would predict that once this problem is solved, we would look back at our time today and think that it was barbaric that we would force people to spend most of their conscious lifetime doing things they didn't want to do just to be allowed to survive. Um, and then lastly, I want to end with one example for AI and with an optimistic note of what it can do that goes beyond what humans can do, kind of related to the problem-solving one. So we are battling many diseases today, cancer, Alzheimer, and so forth. Only just cancer has a $5 billion research budget that is spent on it every year. And there's so many entries in scientific journals and databases that we can, um, whoa. Okay, it's restarting. <laughs> There are so many database entries that it has become impossible for anyone. Okay, I'm just going to give it without slides. <laughs> to, to figure out um, what is actually going on. Because a scientist, in order to uh, understand the whole field, they would need to read one paper every minute, every hour of every day. And this pace is still accelerating. As I said, information is still increasing exponentially. So nobody can do that. But a machine can do, because we are not limited in memory, we're not limited in reading speed, uh, we're not limited in the, the number of connections that a machine can make between results that it has extracted. So we can put all of these together. And the hope behind it is that we can then make progress that has been impossible for humanity to make. Because, let's face it, all of our brains have limits in the way we can think and memorize and, and process information and collaborate with others. So, yeah, the hope is that we are entering an age where we can solve problems that humanity so far collectively has not been smart enough to solve. That is what I'm working on with my company Synthetic, um, especially in solving these problems in research. And what I'm working with the nonprofit Foresight Institute which is dedicated to making sure that these developments happen in a beneficial way so that all of society will benefit from that. Thank you. Okay. Do we have time for questions? And I can try to you know, open it up again. Uh, yes, I can hear you. question so the question was is it dangerous to build these kinds of AI and I would say yes they are dangerous to it that's also why foresight is committed to making sure that they happen in a beneficial way there are many ways we can think of these things going wrong one is if they are in the wrong hands for people who use them for stuff that is not beneficial to society another one is if we just let the AI you know, run with it and put it in charge of things that are very important to us and don't keep, you know, tight control on what is actually going on and what is happening and what are the, the bounds of, of the control that it has. So, 
there are initiatives and luckily this is being discussed a lot in the community of artificial intelligence. How do we how do we steer this in a way that is positive? And in that way, it, it is similar to other developments like biotechnology, for example, which had the Asilomar conference back in the 90s to ensure, you know, there are certain things that shouldn't be done, like working with pathogens, and there's, there are certain things that should be done. So this discussion is, is happening right now. Yeah, your slide on the universal basic Yes, great question. So the question was um, about the universal basic income and what we are doing to address that because it's a political and economics problem and not so much a technical problem. Um, one thing I did was I was in Davos at the meeting of the World Economic Forum earlier this year and um, you know I was trying to bring this discussion into the forum and the positive news was that it is something that is now coming on the radar of world leaders and, and policymakers in, in high positions of power. So the, the theme of Davos this year was the fourth industrial revolution where there was a lot about unemployment and so forth. And right now the discussion still is a lot about how do we make sure everyone has jobs. And it takes, it takes an overcoming of the friction to go from that to the thought of Maybe they're just, you know, maybe it's a good thing that work can be done in a way that we don't need humans to do it. And um, yeah, it's 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 getting there, and, and we're involved with that. Thanks. Uh, we we are sadly over time. Uh, All right. Sure you will be around to take questions afterwards. Yeah, let, let's meet afterwards for questions. And thank you, everyone. Thank you.